Hello again you, thanks very much for stopping by to listen once more to the Mild Mannered Army podcast with me, Mild Mannered Max. This is the second part of the discussion that Nick Amy's and I undertook to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Dogman Star by Suede. And it kicks off with the first track on side two. Can you guess? So it's massively overblown, but it's magnificently over the top. I think it's one of the few tracks on which Bernard's guitar is clear and to the fore and he's doing what he does best. He's strangling these kind of brutally beautiful noises out of his guitar. And then there's there's what there's deafening feedback. There's outrageous reverb. It's just glorious, I think. And it seems on other tracks that the campaign to rein Bernard in you know, by yes, the, the producer he hated and the band he despised at the time, that, that seemed to be successful on some of the other, if not most of the other tracks. But on here, he's loose and he's unhinged. And then you've got Brett. He's braying about the seedier side of the music business. You know, she rocker, hear the audience scream for the death of a king, but a hand job is all that the butchery brings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, you know fits perfectly with this kind of you know, violent opposition which the music is creating and I think you know Brett was struggling with fame and the attention at this point so I wouldn't be surprised if this was kind of a response to that and I also wonder if there was some kind of common ground too even if they hadn't kind of collaborated in that way the message of the song is basically Bernard's cry to the world as well come rescue me from this Hollywood life. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting point, Nick. And I, th- I think it, it, it sits quite well as a companion piece to the, the song that we just mentioned, the, the one of the B-sides, um, Killing of a Flash Boy. Mm. You know, it has a similar, you know, glam rock vibe, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, maybe they're too similar, but I would quite happily have lived with the power disappearing and Killing oh, of yeah. a Flash Boy <laughs> yeah. taking its place. But maybe we, these two songs are too similar, I don't know. Yeah, we know better. We should have done a track listing. Well, I've got no idea why nobody's asked us. I've got no idea. I mean, I'm I'm fairly sure that key players in the music industry in the 90s are now listening to this in some kind of, you know, wormhole time loop affair. It's a business model. I think so. I think so. Right. So what about the the next track, which is the the two of us? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, because I think 
you know, part of me says that this is starkly beautiful in its own way, but there's something about it which also kind of rubs me up the wrong way. It has this kind of crisp, yearning vocal and the plaintive piano, and that on itself is um, takes the listener out of the scuzz and the kind of muggy bleakness of it. <clears throat> but um, in a way, it's a it's just a bit much. It's one of these songs which uh, you just think oh, that's better suited to some West End musical. I don't know. Uh, well, it's funny. I was listening to something else that you and I recorded uh, this afternoon uh, because, as will have become apparent by now to anybody who reads what I write or listens to the podcast, I do like the sound of my own voice. I'm... So, so I was listening to something else, and one of the things that I was talking to you about was the fact that actually I have a bit of a weakness for things that sound like they could be in sort of off-Broadway musicals. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why when we get to uh, still life, I'm going to have a lot to say. And I, although I made that kind of sighing response mm-hmm. to the two of us, I like the kind of overblown romanticism of it for exactly that reason. Again, I could see it in, you know, Cold Black Mornings, the musical. Um, I, I, I could see. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> you you wouldn't you wouldn't buy a ticket for that, you don't. I just can't. Yeah, I don't know how you can kind of mould those two Brett Anderson's life with some kind of over-the-top theatre production. Oh yeah, I'm sure somehow, but I don't know. Oh, I think it'd be great. You could get H from Steps to play uh, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I want Jason yeah. Orange in there somewhere. Jason Orange has to be there. Jason Orange as Matt Osman. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be nice. The two That'd of them right. were like separated at birth. In fact, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. What we'll do is we'll, we'll drop out H from Steps and we'll parachute in, making his West End debut, Mr. Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams is Brett Anderson. That is going to shift tickets, my friend. Um, I don't know how you do a kind of copyright of an idea like that once it's out in the public domain. Look, you can have it. Who, whoever is listening to this and wants to make that musical and wants to cast Robbie as Brett, you can have it. Well, there you go. Who would have thought that the two of us would take us to that point? Um, ah, right. We're drawing ever closer to the two songs that I really want to talk about. But first, we have to get through the next track on the album, Nick, which is... Black or Blue, which is another odd little song. Black or Blue, I, I wrote, I came up with the riff of it and we were playing in Switzerland or somewhere. Yeah. I remember, I remember playing this really, I, remember, I think it was Switzerland because I remember thinking it's so boring. And um, this is about the time that, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just finger picking and, and pull offs and all that kind of stuff. that kind of stuff basically um about that time um somebody gave me Bert Yanch or somebody Jeff Travis I met and uh, for the first time and, and I remember him saying to me do you know about Bert Yanch and I said no and he said what well, you should do and that's all he said to me and so I remember hearing Bert Yanch and uh, not really getting it but just hearing that first album and just thinking about playing I just started using my fingers more and more and I was playing a, quite a jazzy guitar not that Bert's jazz but just sort of playing a guitar like that with fingers and just doing little 
that kind of stuff, little pull-offs technically, that's all it was, and just using odd chords, open tunings and things that didn't have a rhythm, didn't have a drum, uh, you know, drums in them, and uh, just getting into that really. Yeah, yeah, I think this is one of the songs that Alexis Petridis had said in The Guardian was, uh, sounded like a show tune, something from Cats. <laughs> Well, Which, you know, I, I saw Cats recently for the first time, and I can honestly mm. say this song might have actually been in there because about after an hour, my attention did wander slightly. Um, but, you know, this this is a bit too much for me, black and blue. I think it may well be about racial intolerance or whatever it is, the story of a doomed interracial romance. And that's kind of an interesting twist on the whole yeah, you know, world going to shit in a bucket theme, but uh, it's too lacrimose for me. It's just a bit much. I don't know about you. Well, t- two things. First of all, beautiful use of lacrimose. Well done, you. I oh, think um, you, you like you like a good extravagant word, don't you? I, I do. I do. I, I love a man who takes uh, pride in his erudition and. I think you're right. I, although I've just made a case for kind of you know high camp musical theatre, I I would rather um, you know, I don't know, pour quicksand and concrete down my own throat than than go and see cats. And I think I think black or blue is too much. Um, and I think actually it's a it's a dull thud of a lyric as well. Where where at various other points on the album, they have been gentle whispers. Um, you know, it's it's been a quill scrolling across parchment at times. But this is a bit of a dull, a dull thud, um, and I've I've got no real interest in talking about it any further. However, mm. I am interested now. We come to the, the the penultimate track on the album, and a song about which much has been written, um, mm-hmm. mainly because the the song "The Asphalt World" is not the song as was, right? I, I mean, legend has it that there is a three-hour-long version of this. <laughs> A supposedly 25-minute version with, That's an right. eight, with an eight-minute guitar solo. That's right. We, I mean, we are really in the, the world of prog rock at that point, right? I mean, all you need oh, is yeah. Rick, Rick Wakeman in a wizard's hat uh, to really, you know, set the, the, the whole thing on fire. Yeah, the asshole world, I love this. love it because it's it's i mean we talked earlier about a kind of gothic monstrosity that th- this is high gothicism for me um and high romanticism i really like it and it's one of my great regrets in life i i, I heard tale that lip gloss jill from the star-shaped gang once played this in its entirety halfway through a star-shaped club night Really? Well, the the, the um, what the nine nine and a half the, minutes. The nine and a half minutes. The full yeah, yeah, the, nine the and a half album. minutes. Wow. Now, two things about that, Nick. One, there is a DJ who cares not one jot about the experience of the listening public, and God bless her for that. And two, 
fantastic. Imagine that in a club. Nine and a half minutes of this booming around whichever venue it was. That must have been an incredible experience. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, well, for me, like it could finish at the four and a half minute mark. <laughs> yeah. But um, fair play to Jill for doing that because, I mean, you know, there are only a few tracks you can get away with playing like almost 10 minutes of and uh i wouldn't say this was one of them so like props to her for doing it and you know maybe it opened a lot of minds and eyes at that point and uh yeah i don't know it's i really like i yeah i really like up until four and a half minutes and then there's this bit which sounds like the doors and then there's a bit which then with the crescendo and the vocal reprise that comes back in and I like it again. But the middle bit is like, I don't really know why that's there and why it should be there. And it's kind of like all around the world, you know, from be here now, it's like, you know, it's one of these legendary things which should be, you know, there, there are, I don't know, three hour long versions of it out there somewhere. It should really stop after a certain amount of time and la 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 la's should be cut to like three at the most and you know giving a bit of context as well there was a lot of uh opposition within the band for stuff mm. like this and you know matt osman has been quoted as saying that bernard was being rude to the listener i think he actually said <laughs> by, by creating music that people just couldn't be expected to listen to and i think um I have absolutely no idea what a 25-minute version of this would sound like. And an eight-minute guitar solo. I mean, I love Bernard Butler as a guitarist, but I don't think I could sit through an eight-minute guitar solo after like going through the ups and downs of this melancholic opus full of cruel sex, ecstasy, abuse, and infidelity. I don't think I could handle that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a half of it is a great song. That's my opinion. I think the Asphalt World is a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Mm. Um, and I can't think of anything better than a 25-minute version of it. Okay. And I, I also really like the idea that um, of musicians being rude to the listener. Oh, yeah, I, I, I can handle that too. You know, I, think... I, I really like that because there are, there are certain bands that I really love and it really, really, and I, I know this is childish. It's, it's, it's an awful thing to confess to, but I get quite upset when I meet somebody who is a knob, <laughs> who likes a band that I like, and I have to go through this kind of mental, emotional gymnastics routine to try and find a way to reclaim the band from a knob. So I'll say, oh, well, you know, yeah, well, that's great that you like them, but do you like the nine and a half minute version of the Asphalt World? And in, invariably, the knob will then say, oh, well, actually, I've got an unreleased demo version that's 25 minutes long. And it, it, it takes me almost to the point of ditching the band so that I don't have things in common with a knob. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I, yeah, I can kind of relate to that. Probably um, not as extreme, but yeah. Okay, that's what world. We Still both like. agree, We both agree there's a great song in there. We yeah. just disagree on how long that great song is. Yeah. Um, you, you think the great song is, is all of it? I think the great song is half of it. <laughs> that's fair enough, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We're we're um, half we're halfway 
on the same page. <laughs> the album closes out then, Nick, um, with Still Life, which I think people in the band, possibly Matt Osman again, has, has, has talked about not being all that keen on the kind of orchestration and what have you that, that, that accompanies it and how it closes out. Um, it is comfortably in my top five suede songs and quite often vies for the top spot. Um, and I, I think that the reason it's still life uh, means that to me, and I know that not everybody's going to agree with that. Possibly you're not going to agree with that. But I, I, th- I think the reason for that is there is something about the, the way that it, that it unfolds, the, 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 the drama, the performance of the whole thing that speaks to that aspect of myself that feels a little bit broken and a little bit damaged. The idea of, you know, sitting by the window, a glass house, I'm the insect, heading into the night, being quietly killed. There is something that really touches me on a very personal level about it. And I I get why people maybe aren't as maybe effusive about it as I am, maybe as passionate about it as I am. But for that reason, I I have a connection to it. And I love the fact that it just swirls and swoops and swoons and soars and builds to this ridiculous almost crescendo. I I don't know. Are you going to agree or disagree? I'm going to agree. I'm not as committed as you. Um, I think it's... I think it's really an impressive piece of music. And I think, I mean, well, how could Dogman style not end on something so gloriously preposterous? Exactly. You know, it's full of pomp and circumstance. I mean, like, yeah, with this suburban housewife gazing out on the wind, out of the window, waiting for her lover to come home. It's, you know, I've read similar things and I, came to the conclusion myself as well uh it's um it's not usually a scenario that gets treated to such epic proportions or showboating you might say it's uh you know it's a topic which is usually a bit seedy like pulp's interpretations or you know or the nudge nudge wink wink approach of blur but here you know they handle it in such a way with it you know, with the extravagant strings and there's this raw screech of Brett's voice at the crescendo. It brings this kind of story of this mundane existence, which is kind of punctuated by these sporadic longing spells. You know, it gets lifted up as something to be admired in some way, you know, something courageous, not pitied or laughed at. And I think that's, that's equally as impressive as the arrangement itself, that it's taken something, this, this story, and which has created something which keeps you going from the, the beginning of it to the end and it swoops you up all the way and it ends so dramatically that it's it's really impressive i i prefer different styles of suede's output i would fill my top five with songs which were a bit more upbeat not all of them i do like uh some of the more introspective and quieter ones and slower ones but i I totally respect your opinion on this. That it's it's quite a quite a thing. It's quite a piece of music, and uh, I think it's a great it's a great ending. It's it's a great full stop for the album. Mm-hmm. 